Welcome to Blue Notes On Air. Join us as we chat with experts, commentators and analysts from the Asian region about business, culture and economics. Today, ANZ's Managing Director of Institutional Banking, Graham Turley, explores the complex challenge of climate change for business. Graham discusses how ANZ is working with customers to encourage the development and publication of carbon transition plans and what the bank is learning from the top 100 emitter companies that can be shared more widely. We hope you enjoy the discussion. Morning, Graham. Thanks very much for speaking with Blue Notes. A particularly topical discussion this morning around what's happening with climate change, uh, with the economy, and how financial institutions like banks are dealing with climate change, and, and more importantly, perhaps the role that banks can play more broadly with their customers in the general economy and how humanity responds to climate change. I mean, the, the science is continually sort of increasing the certainty around human-induced climate change, and we saw a major report in Nature Geologic around how this particular warming period is so different to any in the last 20,000 years. Um, but again, even though that's broadly accepted in, in the sort of rational world, we still don't really know how it'll play out. And there's a lot of complex moving parts in climate change and then overlay that with various political and ideological invested interest, plus you know the sheer uncertainty of how these things will happen in 5, 10, 15 years' time. So perhaps how does ANZ think about such a complex, you know, shifting world where we know the general trend, but we really don't know a lot else. Climate change is, is here with us. It's, it affects every single business. And if people don't have it front of mind and are not understanding how it's going to impact their business going forward and don't have some strategies around that, it's likely that their business won't be sustainable going forward. And so that's important to us because we want to have a sustainable business. We need to understand how this affects the communities, how it affects all our stakeholders, how it affects our customers. And part of our role, as we've said right up front, is how can we use our expertise to help encourage our customers to make sure they're on top of this issue. From ANZ's perspective, you know, I guess we have two, two things that we can focus on is, hey, what are we actually doing ourselves on a day-to-day basis um, from a, a, a carbon neutrality type perspective? And also, hey, what are we doing and how can we help our customers to adjust to this changing world where consumers and communities are actually demanding change now and adjustments to, to climate change. And so our future is to how do we work, how do we use our expertise or how do we use the knowledge we learn off other customers to support our customers to make that adjustment so we're all successful and a, and a, and a better future for all of us. And interestingly, Andrew McKenzie, the, the chief executive of BHP, the world's largest miner, gave a, a very important speech where that's pretty much exactly what he was saying, that BHP has to look at its own business and its own business mix and make decisions for its shareholders and its stakeholders around climate change. But equally, it has to think about how its products are used and its customers use these. So it is, it's not just, okay, let's look at ourselves and see what we can do. It's what role we have with our customers and with communities. It's interesting. I, I think in the early days of climate change, we saw a very strong you know, Greenpeace NGO presence. I believe now that actually we're seeing the climate change and the changes on businesses and the, and the way they're adapting their business strategies has actually driven, been driven by their really key stakeholders being their consumers, the customers, the workers and the communities they're operating in and their stakeholders and their shareholders. And I think that's what you're starting to see from you know the BHP um, example and you know 
BHP is one of many major multinationals that have come out with huge um, political, you know, I guess, or public statements on on climate change policies and what they're doing now. And um, and I think it's just going to keep coming. But I think there's no question that complexity about, hey, how do they do their business? Who do they do it with? Um, what are their customers doing with things? And, and how do they run their business is important. And we see it in a number of um, industries about, it's a bit like just food security, biosecurity, you know, how people are, are doing things in a sustainable way as well as the climate change way. People are looking through supply chains and, and that's starting to matter and that's determining who people deal with, who people do business with going forward and it's going to impact all businesses in the future. That's a sort of sentiment-driven thing, you know, whether it's consumers, um, whether it's the next generation that, as we see, is, is much more anxious about their future. But there's also regulatory and legal um, mandate starting to come in now. It's, even if we wanted to ignore these things as a, an economy, the regulators are no longer allowing you to and, and the legal system won't. I, and I think that's right and, and, and that's a reflection of the pressure of society. But you know, the regulators, particularly in the banking space, it's also a reflection of where they see, I guess, the future of business and economics going because effectively what the regulators are trying to do is protect businesses as well from failing, right? And so if we're not adapt to understanding, hey, where society, where where the changes in people's viewpoints are, then we will back the wrong businesses. So there's, you know, it's interesting. It's it's also economic because at the end of the day, consumers are the ones that buy goods. And if they're only going to buy goods from people that actually care about the climate and buy businesses that are actually working for a lower um, tra- or transition to a lower carbon economy, they're the ones that win. The ones that um, don't do that, don't buy into that, they will fail. And so that's important to regulators. Um, I guess from, from the consumer and society's perspective, you know, they want to, to see people actually doing the right thing. And sometimes you need regulation and sometimes you need, um, I guess, a legal system to help doing that. And so we've got to be adapt to that. We've got to be aware of that. That will continue to, I guess, strengthen over the next few years. And one of the other forces which is really growing quite rapidly now is, is the force of, the, of investor money. Um, and I know that... Uh, you know, opponents of these this kind of action will say, oh, it's agitators and it's small activist shareholders. But in fact, now with ESG concerns from shareholders and with a lot more, you know, huge amounts of pension money, huh. all focused on the same issues that you've been talking about, investors are demanding action, aren't they? Oh, they are. There's no no question about that. And, you know, hey, and like all things to get things moving, you need agitators. You know, it's just like that's what called innovation really is. You know, the small guys make make the moves and the big groups follow in. And, and I think climate change has now gone beyond the agitators. You know, it's really important if you're a big super fund, you want to attract investors funding and, and from the, the consumer, you have to understand what they're looking for, what's important to them about your investment cycles, whether it's ESG, low carbon, sustainability. And so th- that is very prevalent now. And we've seen New South Wales government change the curriculum for HEC, I think, and for years 11 and 12, from 2022 onwards, where for geography it's going to be mandatory that climate change is part of that. So once again, it's becoming mainstream in society that people expect this behaviour and they expect people to actually be contributing to a better world and, you know, how you take care of the environment and the planet that we work on. And because you touch upon how we, you know, ANZ as a bank has to work not just on itself as a carbon emitter and lower the carbon intensity of our business, but 
through customers and then through into the broader society. For a hundred or so years, ANZ and its antecedents have been one of the major lenders to the resource industry and still is indeed one of the major banks for the, the global resource industry. So how actually, as a bank, do you influence what customers are doing? Is it you know, do you use stick or carrot or, you know, advice? Or? Carrot never works, really. I think the reason ANZ's 180, um, carrot stick, I should say, yeah, at least um, ANZ's 185 years old because it's learned how to adapt and actually change through society and understand what its customers want and actually deliver into their needs. And we'll continue to do that. What, you know, we've announced in our latest climate change policies is that we will want, we're going to work with our largest emitting customers and eventually all of our customers and help them, encourage them to say, hey, what are their policies around climate change and, and actually their contribution to a lower carbon economy? And, you know, what are they doing? What are their public statements, you know, and, and what are the actions they're taking? And actually share with um, a number of our customers what other customers are doing and, and how they're doing that. And, you know, you know, let's be fair, a lot of our customers are very well advanced on, on what their climate change policies are and their statements and their disclosures um, publicly to people and they have really good targets, they do green bonds, they do do a number of things and we also have a no number of other um, customers who are actually not so far along the path and our job is to try and encourage them to get really good sort of sensible policies, set some targets, you know, and move towards some public disclosures around those as well. So. That, the, it, that everybody's there because I guess what we want to do is deal with customers that actually have the same mindset and um, I guess the same goals around the community and the environment that, that we do as a bank. And that's essentially it's a thought leadership role and bringing together a community and sharing knowledge around it. Do you do that on a sort of, are there formal groups or is it more in your daily interactions with customers? You know, I think it's both, you know, it's, it's part of it's an education thing. So we actually bring people together. We bring small groups of customers into them. They share their knowledge. They share their understanding. It's about education. Then we have our RMs and relationship managers talking regularly um, about, about this to our customers. And, you know, from my experience, you know, I can't remember the last customer that I hadn't spoken to when you asked them about their key strategic goals and the, and the key things that, um, um, issues facing their business going forward, that generally their environment and sustainability is generally one of the top three going forward. They have to be on top of this from their own survival and their own business sustainability perspective because, you know, if, if they're not, you know, they won't stay in business, there's no question. As you pointed out before, you know, they're going to be required to from a regulatory perspective, from a legal perspective. But most importantly, the community and their customers are going to demand this more and more going forward. So they need to be adapt. Our role, and our, you know, for, for our own business sustainability, is actually to do our best to encourage our customers to get them up to speed, to get them really on top of this so that they continue to run successful businesses going forward. And... Um, we all live in a, in a much kinder planet and a, a much more enjoyable planet. When we think about the formal processes, we're talking about the growing weight of investor money around the world that that has these these kinds of sustainability factors, environmental factors as a, a, a heavy screen over who they're investing in. So that affects ANZ's ability to raise investor money, to attract investor money. Equally, we have our capital that we provide to customers. Does those filters at ANZ apply? Are they changing all the time now to recognise? From a, our investors' perspective, you know, they want to know what our our public statement is around sort of climate change and sustainability. And we've sort of publicly 
sort of set a target of $15 billion worth of lending into sort of green lending, uh, sustainable lending, and, and the team are now working to say, hey, do we, do we increase that target? We have also sort of invested heavily into green bonds and sustainable loans, and we have targets around those as well. As well as the bank itself, you know, we have been carbon neutral since 2010, and, um, and we're continuing to work with and look at ways that we can reduce our own emissions within the bank and, and make sure we are contributing to the sustainable economy. And, you know, only last year we signed up a, a power purchase agreement with uh, a wind farm as, as part of that as well. So we're looking internally to say, well, how can we actually do things ourselves to make sure that we are contributing and doing the right thing? And also, you know, how can we use our lending practices to actually encourage that people have greener buildings. They start to use solar solar power, wind farm power, and, and many other green renewable alternatives. And the way that that encouragement works, is it in the sort of risk weighting of the loans that we make? Is it, um, is it via, you know, when a deal gets offered up to that ANZ's looking at, are you looking at a broader range of factors now? What are the mechanics of that? We have policies in the building industry, for example, in high-rise buildings. You know, our policies now that the building needs to be designed to be 4.5 star or better. And so, therefore, we're, you know, we're saying, hey, we, we only want to lend to, you know, large-scale buildings that are considered green and sustainable and doing... and and doing the right things. You know, we have policies around renewables, working with customers, you know, particularly in the electricity sector, where we're, you know, in New South Wales particularly, are quite heavily dominated by, by coal generation, but, you know, working with customers that actually have a strategy and have an investment profile that is actually moving away from coal into um, renewable environmental. So we, we have a number of different um, policies and strategies which really lend themselves to supporting customers that actually have strategies and, and policies that lend them to a greener environment as well. You talk about the property sector and obviously the resources sector is a major client base for us, but is it do these factors apply across the lending spectrum, you know, in food and beverage, for example? Yeah, for every um, customer that we have, um, Andrew, we look at what their environmental policies are, how do they sort of meet regulatory standards, legal standards. From a sustainability perspective in agriculture, you know, are they meeting environmental resource standards around pollutions, uh, nitrate leaching and those those sorts of things, as well as when we go into the mining sector, we have our views around coal and we have a public policy around that, around coal generation as well, which we monitor all the time. And um, so for, for every sector that we look at, you know, we, we look at our customers and we say, are they being responsible from our environmental and sustainable perspective as part of our sort of lending lending practices in a general sense. And you've referred to how ANZ's had to adapt over, you know, nearly a century and a half now uh, as a bank. The forces, you know, that are the forcing people to look at climate change more seriously, they're, if anything, starting to accelerate now, and we're seeing this broadly in the community. So how do you see ANZ's policies evolving? Are you, are you having to do things more quickly now? Um, what will happen in the next sort of two years, five years, do you think? You know, we've seen a rapid change in people's attitude to climate change. In a public way, you can sort of see it in the plastics in the supermarkets and just cha- how that's changed behaviours of people. You know, I know myself that's changed and I see it all the time. But from a bank perspective, you know, I think certainly over the last two or three years under Shane, you know, we now have an ethics and resources and, and committee which actually looks at all of our policies around um, renewables, around carbon and around sustainability, as well as around our purpose and social responsibility. 
And that's becoming a much bigger thing. We're starting to see APRA, um, our regulator, sort of require much more governance, much tighter governance around what we're doing, how we're analysing actually what impact climate change and the risk of climate change will have on our book and our credit quality going forward. So, And it's the same in the insurance. You're seeing in the insurance industry um, you know, a lot of changes around how they charge premiums. So from our own bank perspective, it's moving quickly. It's certainly something that's high priority. And I think every month that goes by, our governance around it and our understanding around it is getting stronger and stronger and much more focused. Well, thanks very much for your time today, Graeme. Thank you for listening to Blue Notes On Air. Blue Notes On Air was produced by the Blue Notes editorial team with music by Kevin McLeod.